Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. Hey, before we start the episode, I just want to pop in because it is the end of another calendar year. And you may be one of those people who could care less. It's just a number on a made-up system. And you may be one of those people who feels the feels around that. What does it mean to enter another calendar year? What does it mean um, to look at that transition and think, who am I? What do I want next? Um, What have I created? How do I want to start pulling together the pieces of my life to um, keep creating a future that I can thrive in? And so a lot of you are here because you've had abortions. And I just want to remind you that I think our abortions are an Uh, just most incredible fertile soil for us to build a life on. It's a place where we can gather um, so much realization about ourselves and our lives and what we want to create in the world. And there is no work that feels more special to me than being able to work with clients one-on-one to look through um, your abortion stories and pull out the parts of them that make you who you are, that show you who you are, that let you become who you want to be. So I just want to um, remind everyone that I am available for one-to-one coaching. I have spots open this December, which means you can get started before the new year. And really turn 2023 into um, the beautiful story you want it to be. I'm not going to tell you it's easy, um, but it is worth it. It it really truly is. Um, understanding yourself through your abortion stories is a total game changer. And with that, um, here's today's episode. Right. I have had a few um a few podcast guests where I kind of eye their work and think like someday I will know just the right opportunity to invite this guest to be with us. And I had that experience recently with today's guest, Amar Atma, and I will let you introduce yourself in a moment. But I know that um Actually, I don't know. I believe that it was during a call we were both um, on. I know that the message I sent you was from something you said, which was, and I'm going to read it because I went back this morning and thought, what was that moment where I invited you? And I was like, this this has to happen. (laughs) This conversation has to happen. And the way I quoted it, which may or may not have been direct was that you said something to the effect of we don't achieve healing we grow into it 
And all my little firing started getting excited. And I was like, that. And I invited you onto the podcast to talk about those words. Um, and I have been following your work for for a while. We're both in, in some communities together. Um, but since I invited you, I've been following your work even more. And the funny story I wanted to tell you that I that I give you a little insight that I had a story to tell you <laughs> was that this morning I was getting really frustrated by a technology issue. I wanted to bookmark a link on my phone, just like a web, like a URL link, so that it would be like a little app on my phone so that I could click it and go right to the link, which I've done before. I spent 20, at least 20 minutes this morning trying to do this. And I started getting real frustrated. <laughs> and then I got curious about my frustration and I did some journaling and I wondered like, what about me is like activated by an an incurred anyway, it doesn't matter. But here's what happened. I thought, oh, I know what I'm going to do because I don't want to go into this podcast recording in this state that I'm in, which was really frustrated. <laughs> and I opened your Instagram and I went to the exercise about letting go and I just shook and I rose my palms above my head and I shook and I rose my palms above my head and I did it in front of like my warm, cozy pellet stove, which is like my favorite place to be. And all of a sudden I just started laughing. And I was like, yep, I think that sums up the work. <laughs> so I actually told you that recently I added a link to your, I went right to your Instagram because it's just my favorite place to follow you um, to my client portal because your exercises are just so phenomenal. So that was my really long intro. But now I'm going to let you introduce yourself in whatever way feels right for the podcast. And then we're going to talk about wherever this leads, because it always leads to, to a beautiful place. Well, thank <laughs> right? you, Amanda, for that awesome story and introduction. And joy. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm deeply grateful to be here and for the invitation and, um, I feel like first that I want to just share like gratitude for you for doing this. Mm -hmm. I think this is a really important topic and I just with the way the nature and the world is how it's existing these days, it feels like exactly perfect timing to yeah. be able to share and reflect and provide resources. And with that, I say like my absolute admiration for you. And then at the same time, intimidation for just being here and to speak about this and to connect with you in this way to have an invitation to speak to it because i'm a guy i'm a dude i'm a man like yeah yeah what can i what can i say what can i speak to what 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 can i offer for the perhaps men and women but mostly women i imagine yeah who are connecting into this conversation with you and and just feeling like there's no way that i can truly understand the experience of what women are going through when faced with this scenario as a choice and her body and decision or sometimes lack of a decision the sort of no choice reality into it and the the tremendous 
you know, pain and and thoughts and feelings that come in with everything that goes into everything about abortion just humbled me to such a degree that I'm just like, I'm, I'm like, wow, okay, I'm here and I'm part of a podcast and this yeah. conversation with you into it. And so I just want to speak to that. Yeah. Ooh. As we begin. I have so many things to say already. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. I love, um, I love your, your vulnerability and honesty here. And a few things came up for me. Um, the question, what can I offer has me curious about just the general idea. Like, um, do we need to understand something personally to add value to offer? Like, do we need to have experienced something to be able to contribute um, value value to a conversation? Is that just some constructed idea that we took on and used to escape a conversation? I'm not saying you're using it to escape a conversation because obviously you're here. Um, but this question popped into my head as soon as you started talking is like, I'm here because I did experience an abortion and I had not entered the abortion conversation. And I say all the time, I couldn't have entered it the way I've now entered it until I experienced it personally. There is something to that. There is absolutely something to that. But when I look back, I think I thought I had to understand it to be able to give value. And I don't believe that anymore. Um, I don't think you need to understand it to offer value to this audience. And obviously to me, like even this morning, <laughs> I, I trust you and what you're giving to the world so much that I put your link directly in my client portal. Because I was like, uh, yes, you have value. But don't you think it's interesting that we somehow get this idea in our heads that we have to personally understand something in order to add value? What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that because that's that's the word that I think that I was feeling most uncomfortable with when I when I feel like I said it or I was reflecting on participating in this conversation. I'd done some debriefing with myself, some journaling, some reflection, yeah. and just wanting to really lean into a way in which to be here with you and for your listeners and and so the word understanding came through, but what I really mean by that is really what I learned in my chaplaincy days was cultural sensitivity, cultural humility. Yeah. Mm. And that's, that's, that's actually so much more so what I mean. Yeah. Because understanding is a really mm. like mental construct that is trying to imply totally. some empathy, but it's not. You know, it's it's really a skirting word, and you named that totally exactly that, and and without having to jump into a theoretical conversation around cultural humility or cultural sensitivity, or to speak to it from a more theoretical space of it, I wanted to sort of arrive into, you know, much more, I think for me, a heart space conversation, mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, that that in some ways there was a choice of using that word. It was slightly intentional, but grateful that you picked up in terms of that because I agree. I have been in so many situations in my life where I have no utter experience about what it is that a person is going through. But cultural humility, cultural sensitivity gives me a space in which I can arrive to the empathy of that experience. And for me, the way that I connect to empathy is not purely being with another person or solely imagining what it might be to live in their shoes, but to truly connect to the utter emotional space that they are feeling and existing in, whether they know it or not. And to know that within my own self, through my own life experience, through my own tragedies, through my own despairs, through my own feelings of loss, through my own experiences of loneliness and helplessness and powerlessness, Mm. to know that empathy within myself and empathy for me and empathy to me so that I can have that space to being present with and thus the curiosity of cultural humility to saying, how is it for you? Yeah. And that to me is, is more of that. And, and that, that's, that's who I am. That's, that's where my work, that's, that's my work. That's, that's where I've come from. That's my background. That's my, that's, that's who I've been. That's who I, that's who I inherently always have been in terms of my childhood and education. But I've done, you know, some professional oriented degrees and experiences to cultivate that skill of cultural humility and empathy mm-hmm. so as to truly be with in the utter darkness or pain or, you know, the conflicting feelings or the paradoxical feelings, the, mm-hmm. all of the feelings, the whole mm-hmm. tidal wave, not just the one feeling, but like all of them at the same time experience. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, 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 that's a great way to describe it. The tidal wave of feelings really, really mm-hmm. can feel like that. Um, I know that you're human. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I know human legitimately I know that you have a wild and wacky brain like we all do but it's so interesting to for me to hear you talk about you know having a heart space conversation um and empathy because the way I see you is like you are a heart space human like like you can't not have a heart space conversation (laughs) like it's who you are so like to think that you would go into any conversation or experience and not be that like confuses me I'm looking at the game boggle across my um across my office and like it just boggles me (laughs) (laughs) um but I get I like I I I get what it is to be on both sides of it, but I, I just want you to know that, that like, I, I can't imagine from my perception of you, I can't imagine you not having a culturally sensitive or, you know, um, humble conversation, like straight from the heart. It's just like who you are. 
Um, so anyway, I just want Oh, no doubt. There's, there's a human being inside here. <laughs> I and know, it is not, I know. It is not a perfect game. And for me, at least, and I, and I definitely don't strive for that perfection because I know how judgment and shame are like right there, like, yeah. to like yeah. hook us, you know, into yeah. like these unbelievable thoughts and these thought forms that are just so distorted for our sort of truer sense of an identity and feeling space. And, you know, I have to remind myself, I feel like remind myself deeply. And it is like, it is a muscle for me. Like it is mm -hmm. a skill. It is like an emotional fitness style practice. And that's where the body movement comes in really powerfully for me. Because yeah. I know that if I can regulate my nervous system and really, really effective breath movement, um, rhythmic exercises, what I'm doing then for myself is giving my nervous system an opportunity to be in a space of emotional non-reactivity yeah and if yeah. I can be an emotional non-reactivity then I I can really be in my heart space very comfortably because I can feel without being overwhelmed I can feel without um acting on emotions right that's what sometimes we talk about emotions this way especially in the grief work I do is emotions are the enemy emotions are the problem emotions are needing to be fixed emotions mm -hmm. are something that are wrong or bad or dark <laughs> And we label and judge them in certain ways. And and I think that we haven't quite learned emotional non-reactivity and we've developed emotion phobia. And so, you know, for me, it's, it is a practice continually to remind myself and to practice things that allow for my nervous system to have that gear shift, right, within my spirit. Be like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling that. Like even before this conversation, I was feeling a lot of feelings. And yeah. it was like, kind of in a flight freeze experience especially in regards to this i'm like like i said i'm like i'm like remarkably intimidated by this oh, conversation I love that. And, and doing that doing this with you i'm like I that's exactly the word thing. like i wanted to come back to and i was like ah do we start talking about because i do want to talk about your work and i want to talk about using body movement to regulate your nervous system because i just i think it's so amazing and important but the other thing I wanted to talk about was to come back to, and I didn't want to like, I don't know what I didn't want. I didn't want to make, I think what I didn't want was to make you uncomfortable by coming back to the word intimidated, but I'm so fascinated by the word intimidated and I'd love to share why. And you kind of pulled it together when you, when you moved into the, you know, regulating your nervous system and emotions being something we fix because earlier when you use the word intimidated, what I hear is, um, of course you're intimidated. Culturally, socially, the word abortion intimidating people is how they use it as a weapon against us, right? Like that is exactly, yeah. but, and it, and it it actually goes for both sides of the of the conversation. If there are binaries in the abortion conversation, I personally think there's this like pro-life binary that's like abortion is murder, just like absolute extremist on that side. And then there's another extremist side, in my opinion, which is like abortion is healthcare. It's no big deal. Just get rid of the tissue and move on. And to me, neither one are serving us as a human population. Mm -hmm. And then in comes politics and media and agenda. 
and they mm. know we're all intimidated <laughs> and they use that against mm. us because we shut down under that feeling of intimidation and we yeah. do exactly what you talked about we flate we we run we freeze we hide we shut down mm. and then they get to like they whatever that means like i'm using a lot of body language that people won't see in the, in this listening <laughs> um and then they get to run with their agendas because they know it intimidates us yeah. um so one of the questions i had written down was uh even those of us who've had abortions are intimidated by the abortion conversation i talk about it every day near mm -hmm. nearly all day long mm -hmm. and i still get intimidated mm -hmm. what isn't what is the emotion of intimidated that's the question i had written down like what is that is it is it fear is it shame is it like what are all the little flavors inside of intimidation what do you think yeah well i thank you for reflecting on that and speaking to that i think that that's that's that, that's very humbling to hear you speak about it. When I talk about grief and I do grief work with people, I'm massively intimidated by the experience of that, of of working every day in loss and grief and death. And it 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 has that. So let me speak to the emotions that I have because it's not one emotion. It's several emotions. I feel like we rarely feel one emotion at a time. We feel a spectrum of emotions. It's normal to do so. And not only do I feel like it's normal to feel a spectrum, but layered emotions, one that are more on the surface and others that are more underneath. So for me, when I say like the initial like tip of the iceberg above water is overwhelming. Yeah, intimidation yeah, overwhelmed. is overwhelming. Like the, yeah. yeah, overwhelmed. That's what leads to my nervous system being in a flight freeze response where I want like, okay, do I really want to do this? Okay, do I really want to participate? Okay, like this is a lot happening inside, you know? And so then... For me, then it's fear, right? Like that's mm -hmm. the next feeling that comes in underneath. And then the fear family of emotions that I can speak more directly to is insecure, mm -hmm. inferior, inadequate, right? I'm a man. I'm speaking about uh, talking about abortion or being invited to a podcast around abortion. Like, no, like we don't need any more men mm. in conversation like this. And so then for me, the next set of emotions for me is anger, right? Like it's the anger family emotions. It's the injustice. It's the oppression. It's the, it's people deciding what it should and should not be the politicalization, the weaponization of intimidation. It's the, it's the, let me control the narrative and the conversation to binaries instead of the more complexity that it exists here. And so thus the feelings that for me are like violated, mm. it's indignant. I'm I have I have some rage about it. I am like I'm like not only disgusted and annoyed, but I'm like feeling powerful experiences of just like like are you fucking serious? Kind of anger yeah. and frustration in it. And then the layer that goes underneath that for me or part of the spectrum is sadness. You know, like it's just, yeah. I then feel the collective grief. <sighs> you know, and so when the Supreme Court overturn came over in the summertime, like I was like, I felt decimated in my spirit. 
because this was one unprecedented. And second, I just felt for families. I felt for women. I felt for the body of women. I felt for the decisions that go into the in-between of those decisions, the layers of loss that are massively complex, right? That are not just loss of a baby or choices or non-choices around it, but the other losses that come in there with body autonomy, reproductive rights, reproductive justice, right? The experiences that come in with losses that might be with relationships and with families and friendships and feeling the loneliness and the judgments and the shame that come in there and how people hold that against us because of the binary weaponization of it. The, the elements of people with who have faith, who have, you know, that go into conflict around this. And there's crisis of faith that comes in there around around abortion. And I, and I appreciate that. So for me as a grief coach, as a person who does grief work with people who has been in the LND departments, labor and delivery, and worked in high-risk pregnancies and sat with women who were by themselves holding their stillbirth baby they had to birth through an emergency C-section because of whatever had happened, holding skin to skin to their arm and me being the person holding the emotional and spiritual space as a, as a, as a chaplain in that environment. And being with the varying feelings, my collective grief experience was sad and just like loneliness. And to think that there was once protective rights and now non-protective rights. And then this recent election about it being on the ballot in a deep way and me and you being in kind of in touch through social media and just being like, Oh my God, like, how you doing? How you feeling with this? And, you know, and then seeing how people voted and the shift in that and how important abortion rights was to the larger Senate-based decision-making was really powerful in terms of what could have been the other circumstances, the other reality to it and the fears of that, right? So then it comes back to the fear for me. And so these layering of emotion. So you speak to intimidation, then I can speak to the feelings. I can sit in the dark with the emotional scuba diving at all. Well, how am I going to say all the things I want to say in 15 minutes? I mean, I'm just picking a number, but holy moly. Okay. Um, so many things are coming up for me. Um, and I think that that initial reaction with the intimidation with the overwhelm, the fear, the insecurity, the inferiority, the inadequacy, the like, and then moving into violation and rage. And like, I don't love these words. I, I don't know this is the best way to describe it, but because we are always powerful human beings, but in some ways, all of that is where we kind of give away our power. Like we, we lose the word like controls coming to mind too, which is not necessarily what I want to use. But when we feel the intimidation that leads to all those feelings, um, the giving away of power is where we freeze, we shut down, we run away, we like, like just 
get me as far away from this because I can't handle it. And that's what they use against us. All of that whole list of feelings. They know that that's going to make us run. They know that when we run, they have our power. They have, and again, this they, right? They have our power. And then you move into this, um, the sadness of it. And the, I know you listened to a couple of my episodes, but I've talked about this many times on the podcast. When I had my own abortion, I just kept asking the question, is this my sadness or someone else's? Like, and all it was just for me, I was personally sad, but it was that collective grief you talk about that just wrecked me. Like that was the grief that had me on the floor in a fetal ball that was the that I was so overwhelmed by I didn't know what to do with it yeah so when you move into that sadness and that collective grief and the mm-hmm. um the real impact on our spirit now you're turning back around and that's where all our power is that's right that's exactly right that that's is exactly where all it power is yeah so I like in this context intimidation is been that's used for us to go into flight or to freeze have our nervous system impacted by it. i actually feel that emotions are not the enemy here emotions are the portal emotions yes, are the way through <laughs> like yelling right? now <laughs> like yeah oh yeah because absolutely because if we can yes. and we allow ourselves to lean into that collective grief that actually changed things uh, right so let's let's just put it into context right the history of a incumbent president, a sitting president of of a democratic president, the midterm elections historically goes red. Absolutely. And it was surprising that there wasn't a red wave that came through of a huge capacity. And you can see that what were the issues when they do all their post-analysis? Abortion was a core component <laughs> of what made it so that it wasn't this red wave coming through of 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 what would be anticipated in terms of what the midterm election was. And to me, to me, what I saw happening there is people felt. Yes. People felt mm-hmm. and through feeling the collective grief, the collective sadness, the collective rage, the collective decision-making around it all, allowed for movement which led to empowerment which yes. led to decision which led to something shifting this is this is historic what has happened huge <laughs> and it is so powerful and so to me i was like i felt into the collective grief i felt into the collective rage and i i i felt for people i allowed myself to in go into the impersonal and through that nervous and just guttural and the messiness of the emotion that's not pretty it doesn't look great you can sort of feel that it like got us buoyant yes yeah collectively as well and that i think created an empowerment and a shift and change so i think the word intimidation not makes us flight and freeze from the conversation but flight and freeze from the emotions. Yes. And if we give ourselves the somatic release exercise, the body movements, whatever it is that get us to emotional non-reactivity so that we can sit in there comfortably, sit in the uncomfortability comfortably, 
squat. I'm fluffed. I'm ex- I'm expanded. I'm buoyant. I'm empowered. I have girth, emotional girth. I have an emotional abundance. I have richness in me because empathy is there. And empathy, oof, that is connectivity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wrote down the words earlier when you were saying them, like rights and autonomy. And that comes from the emo the those emotions of the sadness and the grief like or that's where we're that's where we grab our power inside of it not from the insecurity not from the inferiority not from the inadequacy like it's from the those like raw human feelings I love the way you said emotions are our portal I talk about this all the time and I'm getting like a very specific visual I want to like bounce off of you because it is a a holiday week and I'm imagining we are recording what two days before American Thanksgiving um and we're moving into a lot of holidays right and holidays can be hard as you know for people who are grieving can be particularly hard for people who are grieving around abortion and it's become this politicized thing in the media. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting this visual of, um, I have such a strong belief that like, when we feel all the feelings, when we, when we don't run from the tidal wave of feelings that happen after our abortions, Mm -hmm. we are able to use them in such a powerful way. So we're sitting at whatever, we're drinking wine, we're sitting at a Thanksgiving dinner table, we're at a New Year's party, and abortion comes up. And our resistance and our reactivity and our defensiveness makes us want to fight and creates like an animosity and like a discord and a like... Mm -hmm breaking of connections and just like a shit show mm-hmm. <laughs> with family. We'll just use yep. this as an example. But I just kept seeing what happens when you're sitting at the table and abortion comes up and you cry. You let your emotions be seen in that mm-hmm. I'm not challenging people to do this because this is huge work, but I just want to use it as an example of how powerful it is to feel in a moment rather than react in a moment. Instead of yelling back, getting mad, storming away, arguing, like what happens when we just sit and feel in that moment? Everything softens, everyone connects, and there's a power in that room that everyone knows is there. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's just, it's so, it's so much the way we're going to get through all of this is with openness of our emotion. Yeah. Let me offer this. In that moment, sitting at the dinner table with alcohol being present, which you know that will make people uncharacteristic sometimes of themselves, where inhibitions are there and where people might say things they wouldn't say or 
are, are, we're altered, right? We're altered. And our nervous system is not able to be as clean and as clear as we might like it to be. Recognize that emotional reactivity is going to be coming from the nervous system. It's going to be coming from the, the wobble within our spirit that is going to distort how we think and thus what we say and thus also how we feel about it as we go through that process. That to get to emotional non-reactivity is something we require to do within our emotional, within our nervous system. So here's a technique that I use often and I teach often. The quickest way that I found to shift the nervous system in real time without anybody knowing that it's happening is a very simple breath. Inhale through the nose and exhale ever so slowly through your pursed lips. And you don't even have to purse it so significantly, but allow it to be so slow, almost imperceptible, yeah. that all you feel is the coolness of it. And do it three times. Okay? So and it's going to do multiple things for you. All right? One, it's going to affect vagal tone. So it's going to take us from a dorsal vagal or an activation state to a much more ventral vagal state. The coolness on the lips will shift it to a parasympathetic activity, which is what we kind of need in a moment like that. We want to get to emotional non-reactivity. We need to get to parasympathetic. We need to shift the physiology because state informs story. What is happening in our body is going to affect how we think and how we feel. So we shift how we feel in our body, our nervous system, and it's going to affect how we think and feel. Okay, That's going to create us into a space of non-reactivity. Mm. The deepening of that breath, if we do it really slow, will change a breath rhythm from normally around 14 to 16 breaths. And if we're a little bit anxious at a moment that abortion comes up in a conversation and you're feeling triggered, that heart rate's going to increase. Breath rhythm is going to, breath rate is going to increase and it's going to become shallower. So we're going to be deepening the breath with a long exhale because it's going to allow for a deeper inhale. That's going to allow for anxiety then to be shifted from that moment. And what it's also going to do is shift it from maybe 14 to 16 to maybe 18 breaths per minute to about three to four to five breaths per minute. Mm -hmm. And that's going to shift consciousness. That's going to give you creativity mm -hmm. and clarity. Mm -hmm. And it's remarkably simple to do if you're able to do three breaths in that particular moment, but the exhale long and deep and very slow will then allow us then to take the emotional work that we've done, the portal we've connected into it, to as a device, as a technique, as a way to utilize it to shift the experience for other people. So by being vulnerable and crying in that moment and shedding tears and holding that space, will it really create a pause for the rest of the group and their nervous systems to say, whoa, what's happening? Yeah. This is where emotions can be very powerful as a superpower because when we become non reactive emotionally and we live into the space much more and also experience non it's non-manipulative it's authentic and vulnerable you are with it in your heart and then you invite people into your heart we call this the threshold of vulnerability mm. and it's a, it's a chaplaincy term it's a chaplaincy perspective um, and it allows us to invite people to a different place outside of their mind, outside of their judgments, outside of the binaries, outside of this intimidation, outside of the media talking points. 
and it invites us to a human empathy, cultural sensitivity experience. And that, that is what the power of emotions can offer us. That is where superpower of emotions can because it's literally transforming and it takes people to their hearts. And that's a heart-based conversation. Mic drop. <laughs> so good. There's a few things really, and I do want to wrap up for time, but there's a few things that really stuck out to me. I love the way you described um, when there's a wobble in our spirit and we get distorted. That was like just such yeah. a juicy description. And then using this breath to shift your, <clears throat> excuse me, shift your consciousness and open up um clarity and creativity i um this holiday season i asked myself what can i offer my people my community to help them at this time and i decided i was going to make like a foldable like mini zine that you could print and then put in your back pocket for the holiday and the i think the first thing in it if i remember correctly was what I learned as like a four, seven, eight breath. And you just gave like, like I, I want to insert your audio into my back foldable back pocket. <laughs> but it was exactly that. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm like literally contemplating like, okay, how do I get, his description into that <laughs> into that design for people i i might even just release this episode as like a bonus so that i can attach it um before the before the first of many holidays in the season um first whatever that means it's <laughs> in the um in the very western united states um capitalistic holidays we'll, we'll say that <laughs> um Definitely. i uh i mean th this is just how we do it right we take that emotion and we turn it into power and you just described it so beautifully so oh um i have one thing i want to say when we close but before that i just <laughs> The beauty of your work is that you bring people into their bodies to transmute and transform their experience. At least that's how I, I see it. Um, is there anything from your body of work that you want to share other than this beautiful description of breath um, before we wrap up, like that you came really wanting to share with this community? I think that as I experience into the intimidation of that question and feel into all the different feelings, which I'm able to within this moment in three seconds, feel into all feelings into it. What I, what I get a sense of is that self-love is comes through loving the body. Mm -hmm. I just get a sense that people who are going through this experience in their life 
and from my experience becomes sometimes a bit of a hate of the body or an anger with the yeah, body for sure and you know i feel really sad by that yeah you know like i am impacted yeah. by the collective the hate of the body and yeah i just i feel like self-love and these wellness things is about like bypassing a lot of feelings and bypassing the body and trying to make it to something else and I just I almost put my hand on my belly and in my heart and I want to breathe and I want to nourish mm -hmm. in a way where I give back to myself yeah. with recognition and love that nature is happening mm -hmm. we are not separate from nature's way and how do I align deeper into nature's way as a part of a whole and not as human beings separate from nature and how do I feel in connection to it all yeah I think after my own abortion experience um the wobble and the distortion you're talking about now I'm gonna cry was was the like what felt like a complete disalignment with my body. I lost trust yeah. in her. I was yeah. angry with her. I felt like I couldn't handle her. Like it's exactly what you're speaking to. And I was so overwhelmed by like, it was like I was watching my experience. I was so disconnected from who I thought I was. And that's where that like gigantic identity shift happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and you're, you're right. The way back around and through that is to come back to your body. I just changed the like little Instagram header on my description to say, like, I used to say after abortion coaching, and I just changed it to full spectrum wombs and bodies, mm -hmm. because I feel like this is, this is where I want to go is like, being with the full spectrum of our fertile bodies yes no matter who who has the womb <laughs> there is something so rich and so powerful and if we can love her again if we can love them again if we can love him again um we're gonna find our way through I don't ever want this conversation to end by the last thing I want to add before we close is that I know it can feel scary as a man to be in conversations like this, but it's actually my belief that what's missing from so much of the abortion conversation is the men's voices. Not the men's yeah. voices that are like, here's what you do with your body. Right, exactly. <laughs> but I, you know, I struggle this with this with my own husband too. Like I do this work so deeply and so powerfully and and I crave his voice out there. Mm -hmm. I crave his white male privilege speaking mm -hmm. about this. That's um, legit. Absolutely. <laughs> I think- We have- yeah. We have power and an influence in this conversation for sure. And yeah. I think that for men, we have to grow beyond the intimidation factor, feel into our feelings of it all and recognize that, well, a woman is not actually going to get born or a woman. Is, I'm sorry. A woman is not actually going to give birth without a man. 
and like we got to own our sexuality and all of these experiences here that are formidable to this process and with that i so grateful for the opportunity to be with you and thank to share you. and to connect and so yes. beautiful. thank you for the invitation all right for this how do people find you i i link to instagram it's always my first go-to and i don't yep. remember your handle what was is That's it i'm at my coaching okay beautiful thank you so 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 much um thank i'm you. gonna keep referencing you and your work for the rest of my days <laughs> Deeply honored. Thank you for doing what you do. Grateful for the invitation to be here and for this evolved conversation. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.